Um, well, it's actually three things. Three things. I remember being touched by the speaker and the church service going way too long. <laughs> way too long. You sit up in there and, you know, you got that place at 10 o'clock. What's wrong with your church, my dear? You got us in there for four or five hours. And that lady right there used to take me to church. That's the lady right there. So we go in there and get the place at 10 o'clock. It's 3 o'clock before we get out of there. Right? So being touched by the, 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 the ministry, church service going way too long. And then everybody coming out with these uh, loud color uh, new units on, right? So the uh, only time of year y'all come in with uh, light blue, powder blue, and pink, and, you know, hats and such and dust and like that. A parade, like a parade fashion show. I'm at the, what's that, 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 that uh, uh, Kentucky Derby or something like that, that church, right? So I, these are things that I remember. And uh, so you knew that come Easter that you were going to, uh, get some new a new unit, right? Uh, you're gonna get some new dress clothes of some sort, and the older you got, it changed up a little bit. But it was gonna be that's the one time you count on getting some dress shoes. So what they did was they take you in the room and try on your stuff from last year and see what they can salvage from it, right? And so, but my shoes would be too tight every year, right? So I know I was gonna get some new dress shoes, and I'd go on the rest of the year with them, right? And so. Um, uh, but I remember these, these things. That was, that was Easter for me. Now, now when I think about Easter, it's a different thing for me. Right? It's a, it's a whole different thing for me. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we get new clothes and stuff like that and we celebrate and we barbecue and, and they're having Easter egg hunt over for the kids. All of those things, but it's different for me. So, like for me, Easter is like every day. Yeah. Every day for me. Right? Because the true meaning of Easter is in what Jesus Christ did for us. That's the whole thing, right? But, but the, uh, economy and society has to commercialize everything so they can turn, keep the money flowing. You know what I mean? So they say, oh, you know, Easter, this is going, we got an Easter sale and this and that and the other. And sometimes, you know, you do, they do these commercials and with Easter sale, I mean, heck, the beer companies got Easter stuff out now. How you do Easter sale for beer? What's that got to do with it? You know what I mean? But everybody got some kind of hustle, you know what I mean, uh, a motor for your vehicle, right? We got a Easter sale on a new motor. That ain't got nothing to do with it, right? They just get ridiculous with it to try to get you to buy something, right? But when you, when you to understand what is really going on, that's what's important. That's what's going to change your life when you understand what really, what's really going on. So I, I entitled the message this morning, Who is this man and what was he all about? Who is this man and what was he all about? That's what will change your life when you find out who the man was and what he was all about. The mission of the man focused on the biz, focused on the business to the point of death. The mission of the man, he was focused on the business of the mission to the point of death. In fact, death was a part of the mission. Right? So Jesus was so focused on, uh, on his mission. Right? That it led to his death, but he knew all the time that death was a part of the mission. Now, you know, there's very few folks in this room that'll say, you know, I will, uh, embark on this mission that I know that's gonna cost me the life, my life in the end. There's very few people that'll go for that. But Jesus full well, 100% knew, uh, from a certain point of conscience at a, at a certain age, that this is what it's all about. This is what I was born to do. Yeah. Amen? This is what I was born to do. And over the years, uh, we've only preached half of what he was born to do. 
Right? We only talked about half of what he's born to do. But it's much, 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 much more, right? And Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving. Right? So this morning we're going to look at a little bit at his mission and, and why was he so passionate? Why was he willing to come and give his life for us? Right? So was he come, was he willing to come and give his life for us so we can come to church and have a good time? Right? Come in church and have a good time. You hear somebody preach, you hear somebody sing, and then you walk out the door and say, oh, the singing was good. Oh, the preaching was good. Now, I don't, I don't think that's what he did. Look, I don't, I don't think that's worth his life for you just to leave and, and experience inside of a room. Right? He did what he did so that you could take the experience, the continual experience that happens in the room, you could take it with you. Yeah. Right? It's not just about what happens in the room. If you limit it to what happens in the room, you know, that's why you got people that are such poor examples of, of Christians. Because they leave their experience in the room. So inside the church, we all think that you really, you know, rolling like a big time Christian. But then once you, you leave out of here, you live like everybody else. Because you left the experience in the room. He didn't die for you just to have an experience in a room. Now, they got great rooms throughout the whole world, right? Great rooms, and some of them seat tens of 15,000 people that'll show up just to have an experience on a Sunday morning. Right? And so it don't matter how many people you got in the room, if you don't understand what's really happening, you're missing the point. Because that 10 to 15,000 people, whether 10 to 15,000, 25 or 30, they're going to disperse. And what you going to do with the rest of your life, the rest of the week? Amen. I've come to learn. I'm I'm learning this thing. It's not about you. It's about me. It's not about you. It's about me. It's not about what you do or what you don't do. I can't force you or make you do anything. Right. It's about me. It's about what I do. It's about what I give to God with my life. Right. I'm not going to worry about how good or how bad you do. It's about me. Right? And so we worried about everybody else. We think that we can hide in the crowds of people and somehow that's going to change who you are or what you bring to the table. It's not going to change nothing. The only thing that's going to change something about you is what you bring to the table. What are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to lay down? Amen? That's the only thing that's going to make an impact on your life. It's not about what everybody else does. Right? So you're watching everybody. Some of us like to critique everybody else. Oh, well, they could do that better. I could do that better than them. And look at them and what they self and this and that and the other. Some of us go down that road. Right? Some of us go down the road of, um, you know, maybe we want to help people. So whether it's good or whether it's bad, it's not about you judging everybody else. It's about what are you going to do? And the, the biggest example of that is that, that at the end of the day, God wants to know what did you do with the sacrifice of his son? Yeah. Right? You know, listen, Alma's efforts... Alma's obedience and Alma's faith ain't going to take me nowhere, right? If Alma says yes to Jesus and I say no, I, we could be the greatest friends in the world, but that ain't going to get me in, Amen. right? It's about me. It's about what I do. So I don't go around watching everybody else and what they got going on. I need to pay attention to what I'm doing. Amen? Amen. So again, who, who is this man? What was he all about? Why did he go through this whole situation? Let's start uh, reading. Let's go to uh, Matthew uh, 26, 36. And I'm, I'm not going to take too long. Matthew 26, 36. And we're going to read today. Again, we have read this a million times, but faith don't come by having heard. It comes by continual hearing. Yes, amen. Right? So, yeah, I know it. That's, that's, that's some of us problem right Some of our problem right there. We know everything. We read it. We knew it. Well, y'all got that. No, you ain't got it. <laughs> Just because you said that, that's how we know you ain't got it.
Now watch this. Here we're going to read the story of what happened in the garden. It says, Then cometh Jesus with them unto the place called Gethsemane, saith, uh, uh, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go up uh, yonder and pray. I'm going to go pray, you guys. You chill right here. Pray right here. Do, I'll do what I'm doing. And he took with him Peter and two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then said he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even to death. Uh, tarry ye here, await ye here, watch with me. So you guys stay here and pray. Uh, pray with me, support me, right? I'm, about, I'm going through something very difficult. He's, this is his time when he's about to go through this whole crucifixion experience, the whole ordeal. And he went a little further and he fell on his face and he prayed saying, Oh my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. He cometh to the disciples again and found them asleep and said unto, unto Peter, uh, what, could you not watch with me for an hour? Now listen, uh, you know, this is not far-fetched. You got one person in the church that mind is on a spiritual journey and everybody else is sleeping. Right? Oh yeah, that's, that's ouch. Right? You got, you got a few people that's minds is on the business and you got other people that mind is somewhere else. They ever heard the term sleep at the wheel? Right? So he, Jesus said, look, I, I'm on a mission. I got something serious um, that I'm working on right here, right now. This is important. Yeah. Right? And important, not in the way of like the, the, the woman told the little girl at the help. You know, you, you was kind, you were smart, you was important. <laughs> not that kind of important. Right? This is really important. Right? What I'm working on is really important. And he went away a second time and, and prayed, Oh, my father, if this cup uh, may pass away from me, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, then I will be done. That's the kind of dedication that we have to have to what God calls us to do. But we're not talking about us this morning. We're looking at what Jesus did. So we're going to stick there. Jesus was dedicated to his mission. He said, I don't want to do this. Right? I don't want to do this. But if, this, if we have to do this, then we, we will have to do it. And he came and found them again, verse uh, 43. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. Seems like, don't start reading their Bible, go to church, they get sleepy. Let me stop messing with y'all. <laughs> uh, verse 40, all right, 44. And he left them, and he went away again, and he prayed a third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to the disciples, and saith unto them, Sleep sleep on now, and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, and let us be going. Uh, behold, he is at hand who doth betray me. And while he yet spake, lo, Judas... Lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came with him a great multitude of swords and staves and the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same uh, hold him fast. The same as he uh, uh, hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. Uh, Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then they laid hands on Jesus and took him. So here, this is the, this, Jesus is, is found here praying, uh, before this situation is about to happen. Right? And, and the Bible says also, uh, if you look at Luke chapter 22, it gives the same account. It said that Jesus sweat as drops of blood. Right? So here he is, sweating drops of blood, but yet sticking to the mission. 
Right? I'm sticking with the mission. I'm staying on course because the mission is very important. Now let's look at, look at something. Jesus Christ. We went over this before. We're going over it again. Jesus Christ. Christ was not Jesus' last name. Like my name is Terrence Levi. Levi is my last name. Christ wasn't his last name. He didn't get that, he didn't get that passed on from his daddy. Well, he did get it passed on from his daddy, but not his earthly daddy, right? So Christ was who he was. The word Christ in the Greek means uh, two things. It means, number one, anointed, and it means the Messiah, right? That's who Christ was. He was the anointed one, and he was the Messiah. Everybody understands the concept of the Messiah. That means he's the, the, the coming king. He's God's choice to rule everything, the savior of the world. Everybody wants and accepts Jesus Christ as savior and Lord, but we don't understand the Christ part of it. Okay. Right. So let's look at again. Let's go over and, and go to uh, Isaiah ten twenty seven uh, and look up and, and read about the anointed, the prophesied scripture about the coming of Jesus and see what it says about the anointed. So Christ is not Jesus last name. It is who he was. It was his deity. He's Christ. He's the anointed. Right. He's the anointed. He's the Messiah. Let's find out about this word anoint. It's a good church word that people leave, people uh, people you like to use, and people walk around and say, oh, the worship was so anointed. Mm-hmm. Oh, that man, that preacher, that preacher, oh, that, he's so anointed. <laughs> See, these words, uh, sometimes you got to be conscious when you're dealing with people who don't go to church. They don't know what you're talking about. But church people be so into that Christianese, they don't even care. They go to her speaking that whole church language to the people. People don't know what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have no idea what you're talking about. We went into a time of worship, and the presence of God was there, and it was anointed, and the glory filled the room. <laughs> what you talking about, man? You ever seen them commercial where the, the black dude with the beard have to translate everything they be saying? Yeah. What she's really saying is what the God, the power of God was all over the room and his power was there to change lives. Amen. Y'all seen that commercial that what's the guy, one of the famous comedians, you have to break down everything they say. You need somebody to break down your Christian needs to your friends. (laughs) Right, so Isaiah 10, 27, talking about the anointing. We're going to look at that and we're going to try to break that down ourselves without the the, the guy with the beard. We got a different guy with a beard. Isaiah 10, 27, it says, And it shall come to pass in that day that the burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder. How many of you think that burdens being taken away is a good thing? Amen. Right? Burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder, and his yoke shall be uh, from off thy neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. So one thing we can identify about the anointing, Jesus is the anointed, right? So we connect the anointed to the anointing is that it, te- it removes burden and it destroys yokes, right? So if Christ, the definition of Christ is the anointed one, right? From where we receive the anointing, if the, if, if the definition of Christ is the anointed one from the place that we receive the anointing, right? We learn in what the anointing does. It removes burdens and it destroys yokes. Right. The more the older we get, the further away where well, we are in the country, people understand the, the concept of a yoke. Yoke is something that you put on livestock or whatever. Kyle oxen to to uh, to pull something It's this big wooden thing. And it and it, and it makes this animal uh, gives the animal the ability to, to, to pull this load. Right. Well, we're not animals that pull loads. So we don't need yokes. Yeah. Right. So if you look up here at these things. That they had at first. 
Okay? If you feel like you've forgotten, you feel like you're alone, that's a yoke and a burden. If you've been abused, the effects of abuse are burdens and they're yokes. If you, if you feel like you're an orphan or you're actually an orphan, again, you feel like you ain't got nobody, that's a burden and a yoke. Because it's messing with your emotions. It's affecting you. Right? If you feel like you're lost, you don't know where you're going, you have no stability, that's a burden and that's a yoke. If you feel, if you have been victimized, dealing with the effects of being a victim, that is a burden and that is a yoke. If you're bound in addiction of any kind, that's a burden and that's a yoke. So the, the anointing came to remove the burdens and to destroy the yokes. That's the purpose of the anointing. Right? So when we, we talk about the anointing, we're talking about, somebody say this with me, say, everybody repeat this after me. Say the burden removing, yoke destroying, power of God. That's what the anointing is. That's who Jesus was. Jesus was the burden removing, yoke destroying, power of God come into the world in the form of a man. That's who Jesus was. That's why he was on, he was on this mission to remove your burdens and to destroy your yokes. Now, there's one thing. I could take a yoke and I could break a yoke. Could break the yoke. And then I could get uh, 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 Brother Cooper, right? Brother Cooper and take it over to his wood shop and I bet he could fix it. Right? I bet he could fix it. But if I take a yoke and I destroy it, the word destroy means to ground to powder. I can't, I can't put a destroyed yoke back together. If it's nothing but wood and sawdust, you can't put that back together. Right? You can try and make some press wood out of it, but it's not going to be the same. Right? So Jesus came to destroy yokes of bondage. Not just to break the yoke to be put back on you, but to destroy whatever yoke of bondage that's keeping you down. That's the mission that Jesus was on. Now watch this. Let's look at Colossians chapter 1 verse 12. Colossians 1, 12 through 29. Let me listen. If you get this, this is what I live off of. That's why I'm so like I am. We can do it. That's why I think I can do anything. Right? Because it's not me who's doing it. It's God inside of me that can do anything. But because he's the anointed one and I am in him and he's in me, then I'm anointed now. Amen. Everything that he is, I am now. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Oh, you can't say that. Listen, he run it. I don't run it. <laughs> right? But I mean, listen, uh, whatever my family got, that's mine. Amen. Right? He said, as a matter of fact, he said the relationship between us and Christ is like a picture of, of a, a, a married couple. So everything that belongs to Lori belongs to me. Everything that belongs to me belongs to her. Amen. Right? So Colossians chapter 1, verse 12. As a matter of fact, he's going to talk about it a little bit here. Colossians 1, starting at verse 12. He says, giving thanks unto the Father, which have made us meet to be partakers... Of the inheritance of the saints in the light, who has delivered us. So what, let's look at some things that happened here from what Jesus did. He made us to be partakers of the inheritance in the light, inheritance of the saints in the light. If you want to write, want to write them down, that's number one. Number two is he has delivered us from the power of darkness. Number three, he has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Number, uh, verse 14. Where am I at? Number four now? 
Number four, in whom we have redemption. So he's redeemed us through his blood. And number five, we have the forgiveness of sins. Right? Verse 15, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is therefore, he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all the fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of, of his cross, by him reconcile all things to himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or in heaven. So Jesus' mission did a ton of stuff that, that far exceeds us coming in here shouting and saying church was good. Yeah, come on. It far exceeds the Easter egg hunt. It far exceeds a brisket. It far exceeds that. Jesus did way more than a shout. Listen, let me tell you something. You can't live your life for God off of a shout only. Yeah, come on. That's good. Too many Christians try to live off a shout. Listen, you try to live off a verse of a song, you got to have a song in your heart. Yeah, amen. Run around here quoting a verse of a song, you got to have the song in your heart. Listen, this man is the example. This man came in in that garden. He knew. He said, man, listen, Lenny, come here. Uh, B. Gibb, uh, come here, Chris, come here. He's in the garden and he's telling him, this is making real, man, they about to come and get me. I didn't do nothing. I didn't do nothing. But they coming to get me. They don't 100% understand what's going on. Because listen, you know why they don't 100% know what's going on? Because they never met nobody like Jesus. That's right. If they knew that Jesus was signing up for what was about to happen, they would think, surely, no, nah, he's not going to let them do that to him. He's not going to do that. He's trying to tell them, but they had no idea what was really about to happen. That's why, listen to me, that's why when it happened, and the whole process ran through, they were never the same. Right, right. Because of what he did. Yeah. They were never the same. And so what did they do? Did they just get together and say, hey, look, we're going to get in, come to church, and I'm going to go get me a new Coke or whatever, however they roll in some new sandals. <laughs> right? And we're going to hide eggs. <laughs> and cook brisket. Because Jesus died so we can do that. Oh. No. What did they do? They went into towns and preached the gospel. Yeah. And they were beaten and ran out of towns for this gospel. Because they were changed. They said, man, we was with this dude every day. Yeah. We didn't know he was going to do that. Matter of fact, one of them told him, no, you can't do that. He said, you, you, you can't do that. As a matter of fact, when they came to get him, I don't have my knife in my pocket. When they came to get him, he pulled out his knife and cut the dude's ear off. They said, no, we can't let... He started to understand. What? What? 
You're saying what? Because they knew if these dudes hit on play, they're going to kill you, man. Yeah. But Jesus trying to tell them the whole time that's what's going to happen. He's trying to tell them the whole time. And so once he, once they started grasping what was about to happen, they tried to shut it down. No, you can't, you can't, you can't do that. The mind started to snap into place and say, you're going to let them do what? But he understood what was on the other side of it. The Bible says that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. And for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What was the joy set before him? It was you. Hallelujah. Not only accepting him as Savior and as Lord, but you carrying the anointing that's on his life. Yeah, yeah. You. Listen, 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 listen. Yeah, we shout, we clap. Yeah, he saved us. But I'm going to tell you, he's done something else for you. He delivered to you the anointing that's on him. He delivered to you the gift of the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power. That's what he did. That's how Peter could walk up to places and lay hands on people and be healed. That's how they could take a sweaty handkerchief. Mm-hmm. They could take a sweaty handkerchief from Paul and lay it on sick folks. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't nothing special about his sweat. It was the anointing from the anointed. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, see, Easter, so you want to shout about Easter, it ain't about no brisket. It's about the anointing. It's about the burden. Listen, it's about that Jesus left you something, Chris, that can never hold you down. Amen. The world can never hold you down. Once you understand, listen, the reason why I believe I can do anything and everything because I know that I am anointed. I know. I understand what he left me. I understand that. So now we couple that with the faith message. When I teach you to believe, what do you need to believe? You need to believe that Jesus anointed you to do whatever he asked you to do. Yeah, yeah. The anointing in essence is, is represented. They used to anoint the priest and they would take the oil. They would take, I'm not going to dump this all on you. Right. They would take the oil and they would pour the oil on the priest. And the Bible says the oil would run down the beard and drip down the garment. But what do we use oil for today anyway? Oh man, look at see y'all hungry already. <laughs> not, something else besides cooking, man. Come on. No, no, not church and cooking. We, we know. Unless you put it in your car, right? You put it in your car, it makes things smoother. It makes things, your pistons and stuff, they move and they don't get hot. It, listen, you all up something when the door starts to creak, it's sticking together. You all it so it get easier movement, right? Yeah, yeah. So listen, the, the anointing all, it makes things easier. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. God gives you the anointing to make things easier. That's why I will take on a challenge that somebody else won't take on if I know that God told me to do it. Because what God tells me to do, he anoints me to do. There you go. There you go. So you might not be able to do it, but I can do it. But if God don't tell me to do it, you may be able to do it, and I can't do it because I don't have the anointing for it. Yeah. But if God anointed me to do it, then I can do it. So this is what Jesus came to deliver to us. I, I got a couple more minutes. Thank you. You say, that sounds good, but you got to prove it to me better than that. <laughs> what verse is stop at? 
Now, reconcile. Twenty-one. Let's let's start in twenty-one. Colossians one twenty-one. And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works are now now have he reconciled. Verse twenty-two. In the body of the flesh through death. So this is another thing that his, that his death did. He reconciled you who were in your mind in places that you that held you captive. To present you holy and unblameable, reprovable in his sight. Verse 23. If you continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature, uh, which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Now pay, pay attention to that. He says... Uh, moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you have heard and which was preached to every creature under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which is be- behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. So here is Paul talking about rejoicing in sufferings. Verse 25, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me uh, for you, to fulfill the word of God. Verse 26. Even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to the saints, to whom God will make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. Now, what did we say when we first started? That Christ is not Jesus' last name, but it is what? It, 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 it means the Messiah is who he was. And he's the anointed one, right? So it's saying here that Christ in you, so let's translate and meditate. If Christ this means talking about the anointed one and his anointing, so what is the scripture saying? What do you say? Christ in you. The anointing in you is the hope of glory. Now back up one scripture. He says this. He says, even the mystery which has been hidden from ages and generations, but now is made manifest to the saints, which is Christ, the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God living inside of you. Hallelujah. Amen. That's what he came to drop off, Jeff. That's the delivery. That's the UPS package right there. (laughs) Verse 28. Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present Every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor and striving according to the work uh, which worketh in me mightily. Yeah. Now watch this. Got a couple more places that we're going to go. Turn to Acts 10.35. Acts 10.35. Acts 10.35. Remember what I said, we only preach half the gospel. We just tell people that Jesus saved them, right? We didn't tell them the rest of it. We didn't tell them the rest of it. Acts chapter 10, starting verse 35, it says, But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word of God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. Now that word peace is the uh, Greek word shalom, right? Which means nothing missing and nothing broken. Right? Understand what they were selling. They weren't just selling all... One day we're going to go to heaven if you act right. No, they were saying, man, God came to give you some power on the way. Yeah. Right? This is a thought that I had this week. We were having a men's Bible study. 
And, and something hit me from a verse that Pastor Ben had read. Can't remember exactly what the verse was. But it hit me that over the years, what's happened with the church is that we've sent our children into the boxing ring with gloves on and told them to stand there and get hit. We have never pointed them into a place to say, look, go dominate this. We've said, turn the other cheek if somebody hits you. Be passive. That's a good Christian. Don't make no noise. Be quiet. That's what we've done. What good do it do for a boxer to go into the boxing ring with gloves on and you don't teach him to hit back? We don't, we don't, we teach, we teach Christianity as passivity. That's why I don't nobody respect Christians. Because we're too passive. We don't make noise. Right? We, we, we've lost our cool. We lost our swagger. We can't step into environments and be respected. Because we, 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 we gravitate into a subculture that's disconnected from the whole world. And if you look at Jesus, Jesus always showed up at places where regular folks was. And then he got the chance to tell him a story. I don't know how, how he did it, you know, but his stories was awesome. He started telling a story and he said, look, it was a young man, a certain man. If he was alive, he'd tell a story like this. A certain man had two sons. One of them took his money and he went off. I told you all this other week. He went off with his money in and out of the strip clubs and uh, uh, in the mall buying tennis shoes and putting wheels on his car and all this kind of stuff and this, that, and the other. And then he went broke. He wound up spending all the money and had to go back and wound, found, wound up working, uh, uh, feeding pigs and went back to his daddy's house and his daddy 100% forgave him because his daddy got mad love for him. Right. So so listen, we don't understand the power of communication, what we communicate as a person, as a human being. Jesus, oh, Jesus got into environments and people listened to Jesus. Yeah. Right. Let me finish with this. OK, so where's what? 37? 37. Verse 36. The word which God sent to the children of Israel preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. Verse 37. That word. Somebody say that word. That word. That word I say ye know, which was published throughout all Judea. Now this is what they was preaching. This is what they was going around telling everybody. When we say they preached the gospel, this is what they was talking about. That word I say ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee, the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. They was going around preaching that Jesus was anointed. What was he anointed with? Burden removing, yoke destroying power. It's, let's back up, man. Don't trust me. Read the Bible. Get mad at God if you don't want to accept it. He said, verse 36, that word which God sent unto the children of Israel preaching peace, nothing missing, nothing broken, by Jesus Christ, that word I say ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee, Published throughout all Judea, that word began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus Christ. Say it out of your own mouth. Repeat this after me. How God anointed Jesus. Say it again. How God anointed Jesus. Say it again. How God anointed Jesus. Say this with me. Say that word. That word. That word. That word. That word. How God anointed Jesus. 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 That was the word. 
That was the word. This is why Jesus stood in situations, stood in places, and said, the, uh, the crippled man, remember, remember the story when they came to Peter's house? Yeah. And, and the Bible says that they knocked on the door and they wouldn't let them in, right? Because it was, it was full of people in the house. And so it says that the four guys lifted their friend up on the roof, broke the hole in the roof, and lowered the man down in the, roof, in, in the ceiling, right? So Jesus having a conversation, Jesus first told the man what? He forgave the man's sins. Right? And so then after he forgave, his, he forgave his sins, because the people understood that the two things go together. He said, your sins are forgiven. Now, arise and walk and take the bed home that carried you here. He understood that the two powers work together. Jesus just didn't come to save you, but he came to deliver the anointing to you too. He didn't just come to save. The two things go together. Yeah, come on. Do you can listen? I don't care how religious you are. If you deep in a church for fifty years, you can't separate them because you don't have the power to. Amen. You can't separate the two. Now, does that mean? Does that mean that you, the a TV preacher, go around with a suit on doing Benny Hens? Benny Hens anointed to do that. God may anointed you to go play football. Yeah, come on. He may anoint you to do a business. He may anoint you to serve your family. But he's giving you an anointing to excel at whatever it is that he's giving you to do. Stop religiousizing everything and understand that Ephesians 4, 8 says that God gave gifts to men. God anointed you to do something. He's giving you a gift to do something. And the something he gave you to do, his power that he died to give to you will work in that thing. Okay, so pastor, why is that so important? Because the Bible says that whatever we do, we do it as unto the Lord. Whatever your gifting is, you do it as unto the Lord. If your gifting is business, you do it as unto the Lord. So God, you anointed me to be a businessman, to go into business and, and make money and do these type of things. Yeah, God, would, well, God don't care about his money. God care about his money because God wants some of the money back. Did you hear what I said? God cares about his money because he wants some of the money back. He wants some of the money back. He wants you to succeed. God cares about whatever he puts in your heart to do because he wants you to share that with the world. That's why he gifts you. That's why he, he did that. He understands that the world is a hurtful place and he needs you to go into this hurtful place and share what he's given you the power to do. Now that may be laying hands on people to pray for somebody to be healed. Amen. Right? That may be that. That may be you going up and giving them an encouraging word because we have the spiritual gifts as well. But it goes past the spiritual gifts. The anointing is the power to remove a burden and to destroy a yoke. Yo, can a rich person or a person, forget rich, forget that. Can a person that has more than what they need for their bills remove a, a burden or a yoke from somebody? They can. They can. Because they can step in and say, okay, well, they're about to turn your lights off. Let me take that burden away from you. Come on, man. Amen? Can a person that God anoints to encourage seemingly always find themselves uh, uh, talking to somebody who's down and give them an encouraging word? Yeah, they can. Would they remove a burden, destroy a yoke? Yeah, it can. Yeah, yeah it can. So, so the anointing, again, makes whatever God calls you to do easier. All right, last, last passage. Acts 16, 13. 
I'm just giving you a quick piece. I told you I preached on this for a whole year. I would do it every day. All my confidence comes from what I'm telling you right now. Every bit of confidence I got right now. And if to do anything, it comes from what I'm talking to you about right now. When, when I learned this, it put, I could never be the same. And either two things were going to happen, and I told Pastor Ben this. I said either I'm going to stop preaching or I'm going to do what I'm preaching. But I couldn't preach it no more or preach to you no more if I'm not going to do what I'm challenged to do right here. Decision had to be made. And it drives everything that I do. I believe. It drives my belief. What what do I believe? I believe that God, when I got saved, that God flooded me, anointed me. Yeah. With the power that he's anointed with to finish his work. Yep. To my part of doing his work. I believe that. So once I believe that, that means that whatever God sent me to do, the same way Jesus was anointed to remove burdens and to destroy yokes, I, I, I'm anointed. Because I'm anointed with his anointing. It ain't me. I'm not special. It's what he gave me. He said, look, receive. Yeah. And believe you receive. Yeah, that's why I'm unstoppable. Whatever he asked me to do. Listen, I will drop on the battlefield my last breath going after what he called me to do. I will fight like a pit bull dog. And the only thing going to stop me is I'm laying there bleeding out. Because of what I'm telling you right now. Yeah, amen. This is what I believe. Acts 16, 13 says this. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked uh, his disciples saying, whom do men say that I am? Everybody has, every Christian has to ask himself that question. Who do you say that he is? Is he a nice guy? Is he somebody that we use his house to celebrate on, on, you know, during the week? Some people come to church because of the fellowship. Right? And some people, Jesus said this. Jesus said that some of the people came just to eat. You know, remember the time he was, he was, cause he was feeding them when they was rolling. Now, now wait a minute. Now look at this. How can a guy that don't have no food and no money on him feed everybody? Did you, you ever thought about that? This dude don't got no money. He don't have no food and feed everybody. Because he was working with something that was bigger than money. He was living out of the father's pockets and not his. Amen. Amen. Look at the little boy. Let's say the little boy got how many fish? Four fish and some loaves. He said, what, what, you, what y'all got? Go see what you got. Little boy got his lunch over here, sir. Bring it up here. What are we going to do with this? What is so few among so many? What are we going to do with this? He said, we're going to feed everybody with this right here. Well, how are you going to do that? Because it's something bigger than me than what's in this, this fish plate. What's in me? What was he saying that was in him? The anointing. I listen, he was saying that I'm soaking wet with the power of God. Yeah. I can turn this fish into a meal to feed 5,000 because I'm soaking wet with the power of God. That's what he was saying. And that's why it happened. Everything that he ever did was because he was anointed. If Christ means the anointed one, then when they call me a Christian, what are they saying about me? Matter of fact, do you know that the disciples did not label themselves as Christians? The people called them Christians at Antioch. What does Christian mean? Anointed. So what were they saying? They were saying, these guys are just like Jesus. They do what Jesus did. Read the Bible. I'm not, I didn't make that up. 
These guys go around healing people like Jesus and doing miracles like Jesus. They're Christians. Did you hear that? So where did the drop off happen? Why come we don't have nothing special happening here? That's why people don't want to be around us because it ain't nothing special happening. Because we want to be nice and we don't want to challenge people that God gave you something bigger than just, you know, hey, look, I'm going to take you to heaven. He gave you something bigger. Yeah. Not, not, still, listen, you're still worth less than a bologna sandwich. I'm talking about and cut the bread on sale at the discount store and the meat out the dumpster. You're still worth less than a bologna sandwich without Jesus. But with Jesus, I'm worth everything. Now that's, that's crazy that he would pay that much for a bologna sandwich. I'm going to pay my life. Somebody's trash, I say you're my treasure. I am the king of salvation, that's because I deal with salvage. That's Jesus. One man's trash, another man's treasure. I will take salvage and save it because I'm the savior. Verse 13, 14. And they said, some say thou art John the Baptist. So he asked him, who do you say that, <clears throat> who do you say that I am? Ask yourself that this morning. Who is Jesus to you? And he said unto them, but whom do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, who did he, what did he say? Somebody tell me what it's saying in your Bible. No, he didn't tell him he was Jesus. No. He said, thou art the Christ. The son of the living God. And Jesus uh, answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. So Jesus backed up his statement. Verse 18. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now people, people say, well, hey, what do Peter got to do with the church? He said, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. What is he saying? Upon the revelation knowledge that I'm anointed. I'm going to build my church on the rock of people understanding that I'm anointed. That I'm soaking wet with the power. Upon this rock of revelation that my daddy gave to you, I'm going to establish the church on this rock that that you are anointed. I'm anointed, you're anointed. Amen? Verse 19, and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whosoever, thou, whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Right? So this is why you got the keys to the kingdom. Because he gave you his anointing. You're anointed. God put something in you, put something on you that only you can do. Amen. That's good news. You may say, well, hey, I don't know what that is, but it's in there. You just have to discover what that is. It's in there. How many of you in, in here believe that the anointing from the anointing one is on you? Hallelujah. God put something on you. He put something on you. He didn't just die so we could come to church and have a good time. He left something to you. Amen. Why? That Listen, last thing. All of us the Bible says that, 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 that we are a spiritual house of which Jesus is the head. Right? So Jesus is the head, but all of us play different parts. 
So he left something to each individual purpose that makes up the whole body. So that the different anointings all together, the different anointings all together complement each other. Amen. You understand that? So whatever he anointed you to do is going to complement him. Because the anointing on you is not for you, it's for him. The anointing on him is for you. All of us have something that he left for us. This is why the man was on a mission. Last scripture. Stand on your feet this morning. Last scripture. How many of you have ever said or quoted this scripture? I heard somebody quote, I can do all things through Jesus who strengthens me. How many of you have heard people say that? There's a different switch up in the scripture though. It said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. I can do all things because God anointed me to do whatever I have to do. Yeah. So the man was on a mission to deliver you, do you, the burden removing yoke destroying power of God. He was on a mission. What would the church look like if people bought that? What would the church, I'm not just talking about cross church, I'm talking about the church around the world. What would it look like if people bought that? If people said, you know what, God, I can do something. Instead of all of us stepping into the ring, the boxing ring of life, with gloves on and keeping our hands down. This is why I love Jesus. This is because it's so much more that he's given. Every day I find out something that God's done for me. And he reminds me of what he told me last week. Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving. The Bible says the kingdom of God is that is that a man a man found a treasure in a field, and he went and he sold everything he had and bought the field. Are you that much in love with God that you would give everything you have to secure what He's giving you to do? Like man, I, I'm buying this field because ain't no telling what else is in this thing. Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving. As long as I'm breathing, I'm preaching, I'm not going to let you ever think that Easter is something less than. Never let you, never let you believe that. When we take communion, what do we say? As often as we do this, we do this in remembrance of, remembrance of what? We do it in remembrance of the sacrifice that he made. Yeah. And I told you, we can sit and we can cry around the cross as long as we want to. But it's a much bigger crime not to receive the blessing of the cross. Yeah, yeah. I told you, if I send my son on a journey to bring you a hot dog, and, he, and that hot dog cost him his life, you better eat that hot dog. You don't eat that hot dog, man, you got a problem. God sent his son to bring you salvation. You better eat that hot dog. 